Uh, welcome, welcome. It is Monday, November 20th, 2023. I'm Gabriel Hernandez, your publisher in EIC for comicalopinions.com. Today's op-ed, we're going <laughs> to do uh, something that I think would some would consider a eulogy, but maybe not so much. Uh, this is a response to an op-ed piece that was published by Phil Boyle of Coliseum of Comics and ICV2. Uh, there's an article down in the uh, op-ed so that you can read the full article for yourself. A lot of folks have gotten stirred up by this article. Uh, Phil is basically placing the blame of the struggles that his shops are going through and many uh, local comic shops are going through at the, squarely at the feet of Marvel and DC. He's not entirely wrong. There are certainly some grains of truth to that. There's definitely some major factual basis and foundation for, for putting the blame at the feet of Marvel and DC. But we're not going to really talk about his individual points and break them down and debate them, what, which ones have more merit than others. There are plenty of people who are doing that already. Uh, the idea here, what we're going to take a look at is understanding the relationship between Marvel and DC, the big two, and the direct market, the local comic shops. Understanding what is the current state of health of that relationship and what that really means for the comic shops going forward as far as where they go from here. If we take Phil's criticisms and his suggestions at face value. But before we dig in, please like, comment, share, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you're listening on your podcast platform of choice, please leave a comment and a rating. We'd very much appreciate it. That helps the algorithm let people know that we're out there and we're trying to do our best for you. And please leave a comment. Even if it's not a positive comment, let us know how we're doing. So if you go into the op-ed and look at the link, which we include, that you can take, but it takes you right to the ICV2 article that Phil Boyle put out there, and you can read all his individual points. But the if you could wrap it all up into a nice little package, the, the main point that you can really get across from that entire article, if you really step back and look at it as a relationship between two entities, the publishers and the direct market, what that really does is sends a very clear message also as a reviewer myself, looking at the, the, the content and the quality of what Marvel and DC are putting out right now is, in effect, Marvel and DC do not have a vested interest and are not super hyper-prioritizing the health of the direct market. They're just not. I know that sounds harsh, maybe even unfair to some people, but if you look at what they're putting out, how they're putting it out, what burden they're putting on the direct market to be able to sell their product, there's very clearly an imbalanced, you might even say a toxic relationship. In effect, Marvel and DC don't care about the long-term viability of the direct market. They're doing what's best for Marvel and DC. And from a business point of view, that's not necessarily an incorrect stance to take. But if you're looking at the direct market and Marvel and DC as a symbiotic relationship where they rely on each other to succeed, it's definitely imbalanced. You could even say it's toxic. So let's take a look at um, some of the things that Phil's pointing out that are not necessarily wrong and definitely have a uh, detrimental impact to what the comic shops are trying to do. Uh, titles don't come out in order and on time. Uh, they are not coming out with consistency, both in the quality of the work and in the quality of the creative teams that are on the comics and in the quality of the storytelling. Sometimes you'll get a single issue. Sometimes you'll get a three issue mini. Sometimes it's a six issue mini. Sometimes Marvel will say this is an ongoing, but then all of a sudden they'll cut it back to four issues. You almost never know what you're going to get. Uh, FOC plays a, a big part in that because you really don't know what kind of story you're going to get. And, some, and you have to, and a LCS uh, owner has to make that decision months in advance, which is not particularly good when you don't know what level of consistency you're getting in the, in the quality of the product. Uh, 
the quality of the storytelling is a challenge overall, just across the board, both in Marvel, DC, and actually in a lot of the mid-sized publishers. Uh, you don't know if the story is going to be great. You don't know if it's going to be terrible. A writer that you think is going to do well will may do fantastic, or he might do terribly, or she, or anybody else. Uh, the cover prices are also a problem. The cover prices across the board, both for Marvel and DC, have grown and uh increased significantly, especially over the last two years. I think that's probably expected when you consider that the sales volumes on a monthly basis for any individual title have gone down. They're trying to compensate for that by making an individual comic more expensive. In some cases, that might be warranted if they're throwing in backup stories or they're making it double or triple size issue. Uh, but if the same issue for a standard 21, 22 page uh, floppy format is Go either going down in quality or just not hitting on all levels and they keep jacking out the price, that's definitely a problem. Uh, so when you are up, when you put that all together, what you really do is you get a um, an attitude or a mindset that comes across from Marvel and DC that basically says, we've made the comic, here's the cover price, the story is what it is, the creative team is what it is, and here you go. And once the direct market has bought it, it they wash their hands of it. Now that's not necessarily the best attitude or approach to take because they it is a symbiotic relationship the direct market in many for many publishers is still the primary channel of distribution so it is incumbent upon the publisher to make sure that the direct market is getting something that they can sell uh the but the attitude that you get from the publishers particularly from marvel uh also from dc but maybe less so is once you've bought it through foc or um any other or, or pre-orders or, or however you got it uh, once you bought it, it's your problem to sell. If it's not a sellable product, that's not our problem, even though we're the ones who made it. It's sort of like blaming. <laughs> so if you have like a liquor manufacturer and they make a bad batch of wine, uh, they, they sort of put the responsibility on the uh, on the liquor stores or whoever's selling wine to, to sell it, even though it might be bad and say, well, if you can't sell it, that's your problem. Not a great, not a great way to, to maintain a uh, relationship between two entities that rely on each other for success. Uh, so where does uh, Boyle get it wrong if you look at all those points? Well, his, the individual points he's making are not incorrect. He's making good points. Where he gets it wrong is he's basically barking off the wrong tree. And the reason I say that is uh, if we look at Jim Lee over at DC, if we look at C.B. Sapolsky over at Marvel, all the suggestions that Phil Boyle has uh, proffered for those particular publishers to do better, to make things easier for the direct market, to make the products more saleable, they already know all these things. It's not new information to them. They have the data, they have the analytics, they have analysts on staff, or they can get access to the analysts on staff that know how to figure this stuff out. Phil Boyle isn't offering anything new or, or helpful that they don't already know. So the problem that he's running into is he's saying, you've got to fix your stuff so that we can sell more of it. But the pro but the, he's offering suggestions that they already know. The reason they're not making these changes is because they're not incentivized to make these changes. For a lot of reasons, for good or for bad, Marvel and DC are prioritizing uh, the short-term cash grabs over long-term growth, stability, and uh, viability for a market that is in, in, pretty much across the board shrinking. So where he gets is wrong, he's saying, you've got to do all these things to fix it. The problem is he's telling, he's, speak, he's basically speaking to a brick wall. <laughs> Lee and Sobolski know all this stuff, or at least they have access to this stuff, or they have people on, store, on staff that know all this stuff. They're just not doing it because there's no reason for them to do it. As long as the direct market keeps buying whatever comics they put out, regardless of the quality, regardless of the saleability, there is no incentive for them to change.
Not not a great not a great solution. Uh, not a great situation, I should say. So what can we do? Well, I'm going to break this down into three key areas that I think will be helpful. Uh, some of the, some people will like these suggestions. Some people won't. But I, I think it really takes a look at the reality of the situation between the relationship between the big two and the direct market, and says this is what we need to do going forward for everybody's sake. Sometimes that means making some hard choices and making some painful choices. So let's take a look at the direct market first. First and foremost, you've got to let go of the big two. If you look at the the, <laughs> the title of the op-ed, that's basically what that means: is you have to stop prioritizing Marvel and DC as your main inventory stock for your shop. That means you have to diversify. You start selling manga, you start selling figurines, you start selling Magic the Gathering cards. You do whatever you have to do to prioritize the survivability of your shop. So if you're an LCS owner, that means you've got to let go of Marvel in DC as your primary source of income to keep your shop afloat. It's just not going to happen anymore. They have niched themselves out of viability as a primary stock for being able to sell to a customer base. The, 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 they're just too expensive and the, the quality of the product is too cheap. And then I mean that in the quality of the, like paper, if you're talking about Marvel, because their Marvel, Marvel paper is getting really cheap these days. And in the quality of the storytelling is really cheap. They're just scraping the bottom of the barrel with creative teams. And I don't mean that to not sound harsh, but it's the truth and everybody knows it. You've got to let go of Marvel and DC. Say goodbye to them saying, we'll, we'll stock you if somebody orders it. But going forward, we're going to do crafts we're going to do games we're going to do whatever it takes to stay uh, to stay alive and we're going to stop insisting on marvel and dc to change because you're not that's number one number two for the mid-size and smaller publishers learn from this mistake <laughs> learn from this mistake what i see and, and also you've got to change yourselves what i see too many of the smaller and the mid-size publishers doing is they, they try to create comics that appeal to everybody across the board if you're a small publisher, you can't sustain that. And that's not going to be, and that's not going to work for uh, the direct market as a whole. What you need to do is you need to figure out what kind of publisher you want to be, lean in hard to that particular market, sell to that market and, and kill it. Be the best of uh, anyone in that market for what you do. I'll give you a couple of examples. IDW has the Star Trek line. Forget about where, you know, who's the editor and all kinds of, you know, creative teams and up and down and everything else but they have star trek which is one of the most popular sci-fi franchises in history lean into being the sci-fi publisher the de facto comic publisher for sci-fi comics star wars star trek if you can you can't get star wars because it's already been moved over but star trek gather up all the sci-fi pro uh, properties that you can and lean into that Instead of just going to comic conventions, go to sci-fi conventions. Go to Star Trek conventions. They have them every year, multiple times a year in some cases. Get, you know, get guest cover appearances from anybody who's on the Star Trek shows or in the Star Trek films. Lean into it. Be the best sci-fi publisher that exists. I'll give you another one. Dynamite. Love Dynamite. We cover them all the time. Dynamite has a large cross-section of folks that are really into pulp adventure comics, things like the golden age, serial, like uh, green Hornet, Tarzan. Uh, you've already got red Sonia. You've already got Vampirella and you did Tarzan uh, this past year. And it was great. These are all pulp adventures. Lean into that. The, put your flag in the ground and say, we are going to be the best pulp adventure storytellers around lean into more people than Edgar Rice Burroughs and Robert E. Howard as writers. 
There are plenty of pulp writers out there that have done all kinds of great stuff. Lean into those stories. Lean into those properties. Be the best pulp adventure comic publisher out there. Find your market who's into pulp adventure and then go after them and be the best there is at it. When you have the size and the capacity and the excess cash, then start experimenting. Then start playing with other genres. Don't do that until you own your space. And right now, a lot of these mid and, and small size publishers, they don't own their space because they're still experimenting. They're still trying some things out. Uh, Mad Cave, love Mad Cave. Great folks, great great uh, setup as far as you know, being professional and structured and everything else. But you're still playing around with, with different titles and trying to figure out who you are. Stop. F look at the titles that you've sold, uh, sold that are the best. If I had a could have put a mind to it. it's Knights of the Golden Sun. It would be um, uh, Battle Cats, I think. Uh, a few other titles. And what what do, you, what do they all have in common? Well, most of them are written by Mark London, so that has something to do with it. The other part of it too is they're all uh, kind of fantasy genre type comics. Own that. Be the fantasy storytellers. Pick that space. Own that space. And then when you're tending conventions don't just attend comic conventions attend fantasy conventions attend writer symposiums where fantasy is the primary focus lean into that own it and move forward own your space then once you've dominated that space and, and anybody who says i need a fantasy comic where do i go mad cave then you can start experimenting then you can start trying new things but stop floundering around trying different stuff focus Know who you want to be and then attack it. I spent a lot of time on that because that's where our, my heart is with the smaller and mid-sized publishers, but that's just the way it is. Third for Marvel and DC, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I just don't. You have all the tools, the cash, the resources, the people, the know-how, the knowledge to turn this ship around, and you're just not doing it. My, the only advice I can give you is just do it. Stop, stop making bad decisions. <laughs> Stop doing bad things. That's the, really the only thing I can say about that. But the power is yours to turn this ship around as far as increasing your sales, growing the market, healing the relationship between the big two and the, and the direct market. That's on Marvel and DC to fix. Either change or don't. But if the direct market decides that going forward, they have to turn their backs on Marvel, Marvel and DC, as I'm recommending here, and that puts a really big hit on your bottom line. That's that's on you, man. You've got to fix that. And if you do choose not to do it, that's on you. Anyway, so that's the op-ed for today. Uh, again, you might have been expecting something different for the title, but uh, we wanted to kind of dig into Phil Boyle's uh, op-ed because he does make a lot of great points, but he's barking up the wrong tree. And folks just have to start learning that this is we got to try to start treating this industry like a business. You've got to make business decisions that are smart ones. And stop leading with your heart and lead with your head a little bit more. So let me know what you think. Leave a comment down below if you're watching this on YouTube. If you're listening to this on podcasts, whichever platform, leave a comment, leave a rating. Let us know how we're doing. I uh, very much appreciate it. Uh, let's look at the uh, the uh, rest of the newsletter as far as uh, reviews that are that were in the past week and this this one coming up. First of all, as of this reading, it's Monday the uh, 20th, and a couple in a, not a couple days, in a few days, it'll be Thanksgiving. So for all of our American friends, please have a happy Thanksgiving. Remember why uh, you have lots of blessings in your life. We uh, we always seem to have more than we realize until we stop and take a look. So stop and take a look. Remember that you, you do have some blessings in your life, people who care about you. And if nobody tells you they care about you, I care about you. So have a happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy this time with friends and family. Don't eat too much, but enjoy some turkey. 
and let's get on with it. So I'm not going to cover the whole list because that just seems to me me rambling about that the uh, reviews that we've had. I will say this for the reviews of the past week, the links are all in, in the newsletter. Our pick of the week, 100% big game number number five from Image Comics in uh, Mark Miller, fantastic. If you were, if I was to look at if somebody were to ask me to name a, a practically perfect action adventure miniseries in comics in the modern era big game would be it so if you haven't picked up if you haven't picked up a, a, a comic recently because you think it's just people sitting around talking or eating food and, and not not much happening pick up that miniseries it, you're really going to be satisfied with it so for all our uh, reviews are up in the, in the newsletter but that's our pick of the week now coming up for this week even though it is thanksgiving week we do have a, a decent list so uh we have conan the barbarian number five from Titan Comics. That's another strong series this this uh, year. Universal Monsters Dracula number two from Image Comics. That's James Tinian the Force adaptation of the 1930s Dracula film, not the original book. And it, the first issue was pretty good. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 114. Uh, Void Rivals number six. That's the image tie-in to the Transformers Energon verse. Gunslinger Spawn number 26. Eden Frost number one. The Devil That Wears My Face, the Eden Frost and Devil Wears My Face are both from Mad Cave. Uh, we have Wonderland, Child of Madness, and Van Helsing the Snigget, both from Xenoscope. We have uh, Disney Villains, Hades, number four, and Pathfinder, Wake the Dead, number four, both from Dynamite. And then we have The Valley of Death, number one, from Blood Moon, and Hexpaw, Left Hand of the Devil, number one, from Blood Moon. So that's it. Thank you for your time. I hope you have a blessed and wonderful Monday. Again, have a happy early Thanksgiving. Remember your friends and family, try not to eat too much. Please like, share, comment, subscribe. Let us know how we're doing. And this is Gabe Hernandez, your publisher in EIC for comicopinions.com, signing off. You have a 